The following is a production by Cutting to the Chase Podcast. Before I let you go, I had to get your thoughts. How do you like the Bears' new staff hires, the new GM, the coaching staff that's being put together? How do you feel as a Bears fan right now? All right, so before I give you a long-winded answer, my initial uh, reaction was uh, very uninspired. Mm. And I'm curious, what, 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 what are your thoughts about their hires, Will? Yeah, so, you know, that's kind of uh, the word that I've kind of gotten the feeling of with at least the head coach, uh, Eberflus, right, is how you say it? Um, yeah, Eberflus. Yeah, I, I don't feel like a lot of people are super maybe wowed or, or I guess excited about that. I feel like I feel like the op, there's been optimism around uh, the, the GM polls. How do you like him? Do you like uh, the GM hire? So the way I look at it is, yeah, like what I've heard from Ryan Poles, I've been, he's said the right things, I think, for the most part. Right. So, but the problem is, and, you know, the more I've, the older I've gotten, the more I've come to realize, too, it's great to have, you know, the uh, young genius, the great, you know, underkin yep. who can come and, 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 you know, leads you. But the truth is, too, especially when you're talking about, like, these, um, you know, front office positions, these leaders in your organization, the truth is that there is something to be said for some experience. And I'm not saying that Ryan Poles won't be good, but unfortunately sometimes when you get put in the position of general manager you know he for the most part well we, we know he's never had he's never done this before yeah and so there will be plenty of plenty of things that arise in his day-to-day activities that he's going to have to confront that are going to be first times you know all the time that he's having to deal with and so that in itself is going to be something that is it just makes the job more difficult and so you know you really have to be you have to have a little bit of luck on your side you have to be good at your, good at the job as well, and so you know, not have like pairing him with a first time head head coach as well. I think it just makes the uh, ability to succeed more difficult. You know, it's yeah. a it's a uh, harder needle to thread, if you will. And so it's not that it can't be done, but I think it's going to be more difficult for them to do it. And so I, I think there's a ch- chance that polls will be okay. I would really be, though, like based on just initial impressions, admitting that I could be completely wrong when it's all said and done. But I would be surprised if Matt Eberflus makes it to a second contract, like a contract extension. Right. I think I think he's somebody who, when you listen to him talk, I feel like he's kind of rooted in, in an older NFL. You know, yeah. you know the, the, the type of defense, the hustle, you know, right. the loafs that has been, you know, a big talking point for him. You know, I think when you get to the level of the NFL, certainly everybody should be hustling, right? Yep. And if you're if you're not, I don't feel like I don't like to give uh, extra credit to the coaches who can get their players to hustle. I like to actually uh, blast the co- the coaches who can't get their players to hustle when you're at the NFL level, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so um, I don't know if that in itself is going to be a huge difference maker. And so I think. He's going to be his success. I think is going to be largely dependent on how successful Luke Getze, who's the offensive coordinator that the Bears hired, who, who was the quarterbacks coach in Green Bay, 
I think a lot is going to be dependent on how successful he can be installing, calling plays on offense, and of course, most mm-hmm. importantly, working with your franchise quarterback in Justin Fields. So um, I think Iberflus, uh, I'm not overly impressed, and I think hiring defensive coaches in this era of the NFL when everything is so slanted towards offensive football and trying to you know, make sure that uh, scoring is, you know, that's why, everybody, you know, everybody likes to watch touchdowns being scored. It's, uh, it's uh, enthralled the masses. And so I think, you know, when you're, when you're going with a defensive coach, you're kind of immediately putting yourself behind the eight ball. And so I'm just a little concerned that the Bears who really needed to, you know, hit this coaching hire out of the park, I don't know if they, they, you know, because of Justin Fields, I feel like they probably uh, are unlikely to have done that with Iberflus. And unless Getsy works some, you know, tremendous magic, I would be, like I said, a little surprised if uh, Iberflus ends up getting a second contract after this first one is over. Yeah, that's kind of the vibe I've been I've been sensing amongst like the callers that call in or or some of the hosts that have said like, yeah, uh, with Iberflus, I like maybe a surprise or wouldn't expect him to even be back after, you know, three or four years or whatever. But, um, yeah, and I cannot remember, I remember listening to this episode. I think it was the day after Thanksgiving. I think it was you and Connor McKnight. I could be wrong. I, I you were definitely on this show though. Uh, and I don't remember what side of the coin you were on, but someone was, someone was talking about like, uh, it wasn't with polls, but it was maybe Biennemi or, just somebody else coming from like the Chiefs. I remember the conversation. Yeah, yeah it was with Connor McKnight yeah. on the Friday after Thanksgiving loss. And yeah, I, I did. I was adamant that and this was before we we knew whether or not Ryan Pace was going to be brought back. Right. And I, that was, I think, the that was kind of like the uh, critical point though of the conversation was like my thought was always if Pace is back, he can't go back to the Kansas City well again, right? right? Yeah. Like, I was just like, it's, it's it, it, you know, anybody who's, who's you want the enemy, I was like, I always said, like, the enemy could be the next great head coach. I just didn't think Ryan Pace mm-hmm. could be the guy right. who, if he was brought back, could be, could go and hire Eric Bianami. It was like, I was like, anybody else, it's just, he could not go back to Kansas City well again because I just, like, you know, I just, I didn't see the logic behind it. Like, it, it worked so poorly with him in, in the way the Nagy thing unfolded that I just didn't think you could go back to that situation. And I guess when maybe I didn't explain, you know, totally, but, you know, for me, the problem was when you look at Matt Nagy and the way his entire tenure went with the bears, the issue was he, you know, he had, he, he, he had his plays that he, he liked to call that he learned during his days with Andy Reid, but the pro- part of the problem, and I think, you know, what you've seen with guys like Difference with Sean McVay and Kyle Shanahan and some of these really good play callers is that they have spent times with not just one head coach, right? They've gone to multiple places. Kyle Shanahan and Sean McVay have both talked about this extensively. McVay was under Gruden for a while. You know, he got uh, Kyle Shanahan. He, he had to go. He, uh, he, he obviously... He had an unfair advantage when you look at it because of who his dad was, but also, you know, he went out on his own. He worked, uh, he worked for Gary Kubiak in the Houston Texans. He worked for Dan Quinn, you know, in Atlanta. And he, he got, uh, you know, several different, like, looks at how people approach offenses. I think Andy Reid's problem was always that, I'm sorry, Matt Nagy's problem was that 
he only knew what Andy Reid did, right? And so he didn't really have anywhere to go when people were able to adjust to him. He didn't know how to adjust to the adjustment. Mm-hmm. And he never really had a good foundation, I think, to figure that out. And so the same is true of Eric Bieniemy for the most part. He's, you know, his coaching career has essentially been in the Kansas City Chiefs offense under Andy Reid. Mm-hmm. And so my argument was always, I just didn't think the Bears could go back to that after it had failed so, you know, so miserably for them with Matt Nagy. I just felt like it would be, if you did that, the criti- the potential criticism you were opening yourself up for was just, it wasn't worth it when there's, should be, there's so many other qualified coaching candidates. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So that was kind of my argument at the time. That makes sense. It changed, it changed a little bit when you fired Ryan Pace and all of a sudden the, the whole, you know, the whole tenor changed because it wouldn't be Ryan Pace making the hire. Yeah, that made sense. And I, I, I forgot about that Pace aspect, but that definitely does make sense. And I, I, I could see what you were saying too, because I was like, yeah, if you if the same guy kind of just goes back to the same well, it's just like, oh, okay, but yeah, yeah, that makes that does make sense. But um, I'll add I'll add one more thing to it, like the, the problem that problem, but like I think you can be critical of the Bears again as an organization making Ryan Poles a first time GM yeah, yeah. with no you know no veteran uh, voice for him to work with, mm-hmm. you know, where he can bounce things up now. Granted, they did allow him to hire Ian Cunningham um, away from the Eagles to become his assistant GM. And so he does have somebody, you know, inside the organization. They've never really had that position before. So that's a step in the right direction, I believe. But, you know, Ian Cunningham has never been a GM himself either. So you're, you know, you're you're asking, again, a, a first-time guy to do a job where, you know, if you've listened to anybody who's ever been an NFL GM, you know, They'll tell you what happens. And, you know, I know Scott Pioli told this story to Waddle and Sylvie. Um, and Scott Pioli, you know, who is actually married, uh, to build Parcells' daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, Pioli said that Parcells told him when he was becoming a GM, you know, the issue is that you'll come into work with five things you want to get done. And then while you have those five things you want to accomplish, all of a sudden, five things you never anticipated having to deal with as the GM of a franchise arise that you have to deal with because you're the GM. And so the buck stops with you and some of them you can knock out, but you, you know, it's, they're not that big a deal, but you still have to take care of them. And some of them become completely time consuming things that eat, eat up all the time in your day, whether it's, you know, a player getting in trouble that you didn't anticipate, right? Yeah. You still have all these other aspects of your job you still need to do. And so until you start to do that as a general manager of a football team, you kind of don't know what it's like, right? And until you, and so hopefully you've got a strong support staff, whether it's the network around the league that you've made, that maybe you can lean on them. But what the Bears are getting in Ryan Poles, no matter how brilliant he is, he's going to be doing a job he's never done before. And so there will be issues that arise that he's going to have to work his way through. And, you know, that's something that um, you can't, you can't do it until you've done it, right? Yeah. And so the Bears will have to deal with the uh, the the growing pains that any first time GM will, will will have, and they've chosen to do that now for a second consecutive general manager. So we'll see how it works out. I hope he's brilliant as a Bears fan. I would really like for this general manager to be able to make the right selections. You know what I mean? Yeah. But um, I think it's fair to be critical of the Bears and say, well, if this doesn't work out, uh, George McCaskey. 
you have no one to blame but yourself because you have put this infrastructure in place where you continually hire people to do jobs for the first time. And when you do that, they may be brilliant, but they have to go through the growing pains and you're the one at the organization who has to live with whatever they happen to be. Yeah, definitely. And you know, it's, it sounds like uh, it sounds like the Bears have been making some good, I guess, hires to the coaching staff. Do you agree with that, or or is that kind of the sense that you kind of get also? Everything I've read about Luke Getze, I have been impressed. So mm-hmm. that is um, encouraging. He, I don't believe, has ever called plays though. He, uh, when he was at mm-hmm. um, Ole Miss, yeah, he was not the play caller. <laughs> now that that was something that initially I think was reported, and then I think that was. Uh, debunked though that he actually did not call plays with Ole Miss when he was there so even though he had the OC title I don't believe he called the plays Mm -hmm. so I think this is going to be his first you know time as a play caller and again same thing with Ryan Pohl same thing with Matt Eberflus until you actually do it you don't know what problems you don't know what you don't know you know what I mean so if you get into that position you kind of have to see what happens sink or swim Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, I know it's unfair to say, oh, um, Justin Fields, look what Joe Burrow's done in his second NFL season or look at, you know, these other young quarterbacks. But at the same time, uh, new coaching staff or not, Justin Fields does have to show a huge improvement, I would say, next season, too. Right. Oh, absolutely. Like mm-hmm. if you're, See, if you're the Bears, you have so much tied up in Justin Fields yep. and you know, I, I, I hate sometimes harping too much on the past because yeah. there's really nothing you can do at this point. But again, this was a misstep by the Bears organization. You brought back Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy last season when a lot of people were wondering, you know, if that was the, the right move to begin with. And the problem is when they did that, you now put all the, you, you couldn't, you know, tie Ryan Pace's hands and say, you can't be bold. You can't go make a move in, in the, you know, jeopardize future draft picks for this year's quarterback because you want your GM to be unencumbered and make the moves that he believes the best for the franchise. Yeah. But what you did was you allowed, you know, the outgoing GM to make a decision on yet another quarterback and whether or not he's, you know, he's, he's, he has, he seems like all the talent in the world, but we know that the quarterback position is more than just talent and ability. You need to be able to read and dissect defenses and, you know, do so, you know, on a, the consistency of the quarterback position, if nothing else, I think Tom Brady has proven mm-hmm. that that is the most important thing, right? It's to be consistent play after play, not make the big mistakes, right? And live to fight another down. And if you can do that, play in and play out, you can usually have lots of success because, you know, if you don't, it's the big mistakes that can kill you. And, and they will, and they will wear their heads at some of the worst possible times. Like that's the, you know, the Jake Cutler problem, right? Yeah. That we all lived through for so long is that as much talent as Jay had, you know, every now and then there'd be that interception that would pop up and they could be game killers. And so, you know, you type, you know, your franchise to Justin Fields with a GM who a lot of people felt like had, you know, basically, uh, you know, lived his nine lives as a cat there. So, uh-huh. you know, it's just, that was another tough decision that, Ryan Poles now comes in, and even if he wanted to, Will, you can't get out of the Justin Fields situation. Yep. You've given up this year's first-round pick. He's only in his second year. So, you know, you have a rookie quarterback on a, a rookie deal that you want to take advantage of. Mm-hmm. But last year, for the most part, really feels like a wasted year, right? So the most valuable asset that you have in the NFL is a good rookie quarterback on that rookie contract because you can 
if he, if he shows you something, you could surround him with a little bit of extra talent that you won't normally be able to do once he hits that big payday. Well, the Bears have wasted that, that rookie year, and so the clock is ticking. Hopefully, they can learn everything they need to know this year so that they can maybe take advantage of that third and fourth year of that rookie deal mm-hmm. and maybe have a real you know potential contender in place because then you'll see the problem is that even if a quarterback becomes really good, then you turn into the whether you know it's the Kirk Cousins problem. Yeah, right? you have to pay them. You have to pay them, or even the Russell Wilson conversation, where when you start to pay those guys big money, the talent around them, you know, you can't you can't uh, supplement a, lot, a bunch of talent around them in those other positions. And so yeah. then the great quarterbacks always have to be great because they're making so much of your salary cap, all that, all those assets are allocated to that position. It becomes harder to continue to win. So. You know, the Bears always find a way to do things backwards. You just gotta, you know, if you're a Bears fan, you just gotta hope and pray that Justin Fields is legit and he can, you know, finally give you something to believe in as a Bears fan. Yeah, exactly. Well, I had a ton of fun uh, chatting with you about the NFL, the Super Bowl, the Bears. So uh, thanks again for giving me some time to talk some football with you. No problem. Well, let me, uh, uh, I do appreciate it as always. Thanks for inviting me on. It has been a blast. Uh, I'm going to say uh, I will be on with uh, Dion Miller this Saturday. We'll be on from 11 to 1. We'll probably be talking lots of uh, Super Bowl discussion and uh, maybe with a little bit of Bears as well. So anybody out there who's listening to this and wants to uh, tune in on Saturday, we'll get a uh, bonus edition of Miller and Miller on the weekend. So Saturday, uh, what would that be? Uh, Saturday before the Super Bowl. Good so question. For anyone out there who uh, it's, it, that hasn't passed already, Check us out. We'll be on from 11 to 1 on ESPN 1000. I will uh, definitely catch you around the radio, um, on Twitch, all that stuff. So uh, keep doing your thing as well. It's always fun listening to you guys. Appreciate it. Thanks, Will.